Hey, Andy Phillips here. And I'm Tom Hackett. You may remember us from that time when we used to try really hard to make plays on fourth down. Well, we're back at it with a brand new show called Special Forces Gang, where we give you new perspective on what it takes to be a football player. We talk all things Utah football, sports, and life. Don't miss Special Forces Gang. Subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or on kslsports.com. Go Utes! I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to Innovation and Leadership. I'm Jess Larson. This is part two of our episode with Krista Parkinson. You know that Mark was one of the original investors. You know, that's exciting because I came from a talent agency. So I know how to leverage talent. I can't say that I knew anything about finance, although being there for seven years, I had an incredible opportunity to learn from two business owners. This is another episode of our Innovation and Leadership series where we interview pro athletes, world-class musicians, CEOs, Hollywood filmmakers, and a wide variety of other high achievers. Before we get rolling, I want to invite you to get involved with Child Rescue, the charity our founders started. To learn more about them, just come to our website, iCollective.co, and check on the Child Rescue tab on our menu. Also, I want to talk to you about one of our show's sponsors. I met these guys back on episode 6. CEO Zach Smith was telling me all about starting a skateboard company and how much he hated doing the bookkeeping uh, for a skateboard shop and how he really... Uh, got led to start this business, Bookly, that's a hybrid combining bookkeeping software and human services. And I'll tell you why I let them become a sponsor. It's because I use their service now. I don't love paying 50 bucks an hour for bookkeepers to do stuff that I know software could do way, way cheaper. But uh, I don't love bookkeeping at all. So I want a real life human who knows what they're talking about to help me with the stuff I don't understand. Uh, Probably the straw that broke the camel's back for me, though, the thing that put me over the top was that they could do my taxes and payroll also. Um, So totally suggest checking them out. Go to their website, bookly.co, and check out their flat rates. I've been super happy with them. So now on to today's episode. She's an adjunct professor at USC. She used to work at William Morris with big A-list talent agency. Uh, clients. If you missed part one, please go back and listen. She talks about working with Tony Hawk and all sorts of fun things. Um, But Krista, when we were leaving off on the last episode, you were talking about how one of your students um, had written this letter to Aaron Sorkin and and hadn't got the reply, but you you met Aaron Sorkin and and talked to him about it. And he right there gave you the opportunity to, to get that student in contact with him. And they actually did get together. And I want to talk about a couple of the principles of this idea that you've come up with of, of sending this letter. Um, it sounds like you don't encourage people to reach out to these A-list celebrities or these these people they admire and say, hey, dear so-and-so, I think you're great. This is what you can do for me. <laughs> it sounds like right. they're showing up with a, I'm interested in you uh, and something very attractive that way. Right. Look, a letter doesn't always work. I mean, some people are busy. There might be other reasons why, you know, somebody's not going to meet with you. But I can tell you this, when you're determined to make something happen, you're going to make it happen. 
Um, you know, and in that, in that case, it didn't happen right away. The semester was over. He got a grade, you know, getting a, a, a meeting with somebody else, but it took a year's time. So one of the principles of that is you can't expect that something's going to happen by a certain period of time. You just don't know what's going on in the other person's life, their head. But it also is, you know, who makes that introduction? It's important. You know, I think that when, when anybody shows up and you see somebody in person and, you know, I didn't just walk up to Aaron Sorkin as a fangirl. I walked in as a person who cared about another human being and wanted to make that connection. That's what drove me to do it. It was my love for my student and the enthusiasm that my very smart, um, hardworking, this guy has such solid character, like I'll do anything for him. But that relationship grew over a year's period of time. It, you know, with, like with many of my students, once you leave my class, I want you to connect with me on Facebook or Instagram or any of these other places. Um, and a real relationship can be born. I don't reach out to my students. They reach out to me. But if you reach out to me, like I want to keep connected. Yeah. Well, um, let's talk about another fun story for a minute. Talk about working with Mark Cuban. Oh, it is a fun story. He's so fantastic. Uh, he's really great. You know, I, I worked at an entertainment finance company where he was one of the initial uh, investors. It's a company called Content Partners, and I was the senior vice president of business development and marketing, and I was there for about seven years. And when, uh, when I found out that it was, you know, that Mark was one of the original investors, you know, that's exciting because I came from a talent agency. So I know how to leverage talent. I can't say that I knew anything about finance, although being there for seven years, I had an incredible opportunity to learn from two business owners um, to really learn how businesses get started. So it, it was a tremendous learning opportunity, although I didn't necessarily realize it at the time because I didn't think I was going to be an entrepreneur. But I looked at a lot of those same uh skills that they use to get their business up and running. And one of those things was they had some star power behind them with Mark Cuban. And uh, I, I remember that, you know, we were talking one time and, you know, he wanted to be on the show Entourage. You know, everybody was on the show Entourage. It was exciting and it was fun and it was cool. And, and I said, you want to be on Entourage? Well, let me help you get on it. And it was, well, you know, those people. And I said, no, but I know how to leverage talent. And it took about a year of calling and meetings and, you know, the things that people do behind the scenes, the things that, you know, agents do behind the scenes. And that happened one day. He was put on Entourage. You know, he had a guest role in the show. And it was a pretty incredible experience where he name-checked content partners in the actual show, which is incredible. If anybody's worked in TV, you can't tell a writer what to write. And it was extraordinary. It was a big marketing coup for content partners that we were able to make that happen. And Mark was grateful and appreciative. And it was amazing. I think if I, my memory serves me correct, you know, that one appearance on Entourage turned into, I think five turned into, you know, he was in the movie and now we see him on Shark Tank and he's just, he's a brilliant mind and a nice guy. And I feel very fortunate to have uh, worked at his company and have gotten to know him over the years. Well, and, and let's talk about this business for a minute, because it, it sounds like kind of an innovative model of, if I understand, they would buy the back-end profit participants uh, out from from different contracts. Is that right, to monetize it? Yeah, um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Um, they do it in other businesses, and it was the first time they were the, uh, the industry leaders in the entertainment space. So it's a very high-end business. You know, you buy out back-end that's already spinning off money, and you... Yeah, and you buy it at a, at a price and everybody's happy. So, I mean, the only deal uh, while I worked there that we could actually talk about uh, and what's reported in the press 
is Content Partners bought out a 50% stake in the CSI franchise um, for a reported $400 million. So it wasn't a small business. It was a very big business. And, and for people who don't understand that business model, can you talk about why actors and directors or producers, showrunners, ex-spouses, these different folks, like why they have a little percentage of something later on they, if they weren't even in the movie? Or can you understand, for, for everybody who doesn't understand how the pie gets cut? I mean, it's a very complicated system uh, and it takes a lot of uh, understanding and experience, which one of the partners is a genius in this area. But yeah, when you're an actor or um, an artist, you get paid twice when you do a film or a TV show. But, you know, say you're Julia Roberts, you get paid your upfront uh, acting fee, and then you get a piece of the back end. Now, the piece of the back end is a percentage, and it's a it's a part of a contract that is uh, negotiated on the upfront, and it's a very complicated. I mean, it can be very complicated. So you don't know the dollar amount you're going to be making. You just know it's a percentage of something else. So over the years, you can't really depend on that for um, for income because you don't know if your check's going to be you know, a million dollars one year, maybe next year it's 600,000, maybe the year after that it's, you know, 4 million. I mean, it can be a very erratic. So, you know, content partners built a business where they could buy somebody out. So it helps somebody with estate planning, divorce, um, you know, if anybody wants liquidity. That's what I think is so funny. Here I was a talent agent and then I started using words like liquidity. When did this happen? <laughs> I mean, this is not how I used to think. Yeah. Um, interesting. Well, um, you know, before we started the episode, we were we were talking about a service that one of Mark Cuban's partners had. Um, and it, to me, I think it, one of the fascinations with the entertainment industry from, you know, the rest of us who aren't in it necessarily, is if you think about from a, a marketing platform or just from as far as a medium to create emotion in others, you know, well-produced video seems to do better than audio or print or, or any other form. Um, can you talk for just a minute about this this uh, chidio you were telling me about? How this? Do you know how this got invented? I'm just on the site. You know, I haven't spoken to them in a number of years, so I really don't feel well versed to talk yeah. about chidio. But Mark Cuban's partner Todd Wagner is a really nice guy, and I know the original intent was to democratize charitable giving with you know using celebrities and you know having direct content with celebrities. I don't know where the experience has gone since then, but uh, but it is out there and you know Todd Wagner's a nice guy and so I think if you are a celebrity or if you're involved in charitable giving, you should reach out and check out their site. It's called Chideo like charity meets video, C H I D E O. Yeah, it's great. Well, listen, um, when it comes to your class, if, if people, you know, if this is a wish and a dream and people never knew how to do it and they do want to take your class, how do they sign up? Oh, thank you for asking me that. So it's really simple. Uh, you just go to my website, mygradsgetjobs.com, and you'll see a link that says services. And I have a couple of things. You can become a private client. You can sign up for an introductory workshop. But, the, uh, but what I'm focusing all my attention on right now is my four-week summer intensive. And it starts this Saturday, July 15th, and it goes from 11 to 1 p.m. Pacific time. And, you know, in this workshop, 
we are going to be, you know, you'll get a one page traditional resume. You're going to get a video resume at the end of it. You're going to understand where you fit in, in the Hollywood jungle. You're going to get the networking tips and tools. You're going to learn how to identify, approach, follow up a, ment a potential mentor industry professional. Um, you know, I'm doing this class right now and it is uh, valued at $19.99. But if your listeners email me directly and they want to get this at a, at a discounted rate, have uh, email me directly, make sure to put your name, Jess, um, and your company in there. And I will email them a link so they will get a huge discount on this. Um, I would love to do that for your listeners. And, you know, class size is limited. I will only take 10 students because one-on-one -on -one connection is important. Um, you need to have that connection. And that's really what I teach in my classes too, is how do you build relationships? You know, especially in Hollywood, when your last name isn't Spielberg, Jolie, Pitt, or Clooney. Um, I'm just a girl from India and I figured out a way to make relationships and I want to share those experiences and those secrets with my grads. Yeah. Well, and I want to talk about, oh, and so my email, so oh, my yeah, email yeah. address yeah. really quickly, it's very simple. It's just Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A at my grads, G-R-A-D-S, getjobs.com. That's great. Well, appreciate the, the discount for our listeners here. Um, you know, you're obviously doing, I mean, it's a business, but it's a pay it forward kind of business. Um, who, who helped you up, you know, gave you a, a hand up early in your career? I mean, we talked about your, your first, the individual who got you your first role there, William Morris uh, Endeavor back, IMG, I know it's a big long name now, but yeah. um, who, who else is somebody that you look up to? Who else was somebody that, that uh, you feel like had an influence on you earlier in your career? Can I tell you, I have a lot of mentors and, you know, I remember reading Andre Agassi's book about, or in the, his final speech about stepping on the shoulders of giants to reach his dreams. And I, that's always resonated with me. Nobody can do it on their own. And I've had a lot of mentors. And interestingly enough, I'm meeting one of my mentors for lunch today. You know, I ended up selling a, a sitcom to, uh, now it's called Freeform a few years ago about my life, which was pretty incredible. And one of the showrunners I wanted to write the project is a guy by the name of Bob Meyer. Well, he was a showrunner on Roseanne and he's the nicest man ever. And he's really smart. And he's one of my favorite guest speakers that uh, comes at, to my USC class. And he was my writing mentor. I didn't know anything about writing or, you know, working on a sitcom or how you really got things done. And so uh, I'm actually meeting with him today. So who knows? We might be uh, we might be reviving this uh, this sitcom that <laughs> the sitcom that was purchased but uh, did not get on the air. That's fun. And and again, for people who aren't familiar with with uh, all the industry lingo, I mean, you, most of us can probably guess what a showrunner means. But what what is involved in that title? Oh, you know, I'm really glad you asked. Uh, yeah, a showrunner is uh, basically the big boss on a show. So there are two types of showrunners, a writing showrunner and a non-writing showrunner who's, you know, a producer and deals with more of the logistics, but the writing showrunner actually writes the episodes, but it's the, it's the big boss on a TV show. That's uh, and also the title is executive producer. So anytime you see a, a show, you've got executive producers, they're the, per, you know, there are a lot of executive producer titles, but they usually refer to one, uh, you know, one or two people as the showrunners. Yeah. I mean, I can give you a good example on that, like Keeping Up with the Kardashians. That's a show that, I don't know, I think they've got seven or eight executive producers on it. Well, you can't have seven or eight people run the show. There's, you know, one person that they look to that that's the person who makes all of the the decisions, you know, the buck stops with that last person. Yeah. Well, you know, um, 
I know you've been writing for not only your own blog, but Huffington Post and these other places. And I was reading something you had written, and, and I think this might be interesting for people as we think about how different business models work compared to how we assume they work. And I was thinking about one of the things you wrote about back at, I think, back in the talent agency days of how everybody knows the name Jim Carrey, but Drew Carey is the one who keeps the lights on. Oh, yeah. Can you talk about this? Sure. You know what? It's, uh, uh, yes, it was a blog that I wrote about the five uh, insights that I gained from working at a major Hollywood talent agency. And one of those insights was that, uh, you know, money can be found in less obvious places. And the phrase that was, it's a dated phrase now, but it used to be, you know, Jim Carrey is the guy that's on the marquee, but Drew Carey is the guy that keeps the lights on. Meaning everybody wants to be a big famous movie star, but you know, somebody who is working in television, that's on a consistent basis. The money is rolling in all the time. Then there's back end to it. And so the money that is to be made is really found in TV and particularly that time. So just because you don't have a big fancy name doesn't mean you're not rolling it in. And I use, you know, the talk show space to really test that out. You know, nobody thinks of, you know, the old school Montel Williams and Sally Jesse Raphael and Ricky Lake um, as making big money. And they're not movie stars, but they definitely made a lot of money in an area that you weren't necessarily thinking about. And the principle holds true today in the sense that money can be found in less obvious places. We have a huge digital landscape. People are making tons of money and it's not necessarily in the film business. It's tech. Money is in tech. Um, going to the digital space for content is it's a world that there are a lot of people out there that can really speak to it. But I look at it as the, um, you don't necessarily have to go to the obvious places. No, it's interesting you bring that up. I I, uh, I saw that you have students uh, at iHeartRadio and I, I, um, I know somebody who uh, is on the radio for them. I was with them in LA not long ago and uh, was hearing about you know, talking about media and tech of just how much money Netflix and Amazon have floating around for original content as that landscape is changing out there. And, you know, people who have maybe been thinking more as a platform or more as a tech company and, and how it's really influencing the entertainment space is not necessarily something everybody predicted. Well, I look at it from a very, uh, I have a very narrow lens of looking at this. I just think about where, follow the money. Where's the money going? I can tell you that if you work, uh, you know, entry-level position in entertainment, you're making minimum wage. Now, if you are an intern at one of the bigger tech companies, you're, you know, you're starting at $25 an hour. That's an intern. They don't pay that in entertainment. They're paying, you know, now because we have minimum wage laws that have changed, but before that it was 10 50 an hour. I mean, it's crazy. So when I look at that, it's like, well, you really have to want to work in the entertainment business to put up with all the hurdles. And there's so many barriers to entry and it's really, really hard. And you work for such low pay, but they're paying in tech. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it kind of goes back to your earlier comment about, um, you know, there's money in places that you don't necessarily expect, right? Right. And you know what? To be creative, okay, look, if you're a writer, it doesn't matter if you're writing a book, a screenplay, a blog, uh, uh, or a, a script for a short video, you're still a writer, okay? You can just figure out the type of way you want to express your art. So if you want to work in entertainment, and like I said, if you're a writer, or this could be an actor or producer, anything else that's creative, underneath the job title is who you are, who you are at the soul level. I'm a creative person. Now, how I express that is in the job that I choose to work in. And it could be in TV, digital, film, 
tech. It could be doing corporate videos at a, at a, at a hotel. I mean, so your, your creativity can be expressed in a lot of different ways. And really, this is something that a principle that I teach in my class, and particularly this four-week summer intensive. You know, it, you know, you don't want to be like Cinderella's stepsisters where they're trying to put their foot into the shoe and they're squeezing it and they're trying to make it fit. They're trying to make it fit. No, you want to be like Cinderella. You just want it to fit. So when you're going out and approaching different jobs, you're looking for the right fit. You want to be creative. You want to look for a job that's going to give you the opportunity to do just that. Don't be so dead set on what the job title is. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the hotel, um, you know, for people who are content marketing nerds at all. Uh, like me, it's interesting to see how much money Marriott has put in to their to their content studio and how they made like a full feature short film, you know, with with like yeah. a super legit budget, right? Absolutely, it can be expressed in any way. It's just once again, it goes back to money can be found in unusual places. Yeah. Who would think about being a, uh, creating something for a hotel or an airline or or you know an advertisement? You just don't think like that, right? Well, listen, we appreciate uh, all your experience you've shared with us. And, and it's fun to hear stories from the inside where most of us just get to hear about stuff from the outside. Um, as far as just one more time, your your website and your email, if people want to reach out. Um, Thank you. Are- yes. My website is mygradsgetjobs.com. And my email is Krista, K-R-I-S-T-A, at my grads get jobs.com. And I would love to have, you know, I do have a free email blast that, you know, you get job postings, my podcast, uh, class information, and a lot of the tidbits and insider secrets that you need to know to get hired in your first job in entertainment. So if you sign up, you can subscribe to my mailing list free on my site. That's great. Love and it. I really, you know, it's something that's important for me to tell yeah, yeah. is, you know, I treat my subscribers as family because they really are. And I know the connection is a two-way street. I want them to continue to follow me and get information from me. And so I can help them in a way on a bigger scale. And so I never abuse my subscriber list. I, I'm so respectful of, you know, I don't, I don't blast constantly and all the time. You're not going to get that from me. I only want to put things on there that I really believe in, put, you know, people on my podcast that I really stand behind. Um, and I do that because I really respect my 20-somethings. You know, millennials get a bum rap. And it's, you know, that term is used in the pejorative, which is why you don't see millennial on my website. You see 20 somethings because I help 20 somethings in the transition into adulthood or the hashtag adulting that I see everywhere because I do respect these guys and the people that come to my site, I know that they're hardworking, they're smart, they just want a shot and they just need a little bit of information to know how to move forward. And that's the environment and the community that I'm creating. You know, I've got a really big vision for my company and it continues to grow every day, but it really starts with my subscribers. Well, you know, but but isn't this a classic element that any one of us in business or, or anybody who's innovating anything should be thinking about is who is underserved? Who is being, you know, who is being left out? Who is not being made to feel special by everyone else? You know, like this yeah. is a chance for opportunity. I mean, it's obvious how passionate you are about what you do. I'm pretty sure you you sleep, drink, and, and breathe yes. it. And, yes. And, um, and if you can do that, especially for an underserved population, I mean, it just feels like a recipe for, for success. So appreciate you sharing what you did today. And, and thanks for coming on the show. Thank you so much for giving me the platform to do this. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jess. Okay, you bet. Bye. 
that was part two of our interview. If you missed part one, please go back an episode and download the episode before this one for the first half of the interview. As always, please check iCollective.co for show notes of things referenced during the interview and to learn more about our guest. And if you're interested, we'd love to have you learn more about the charity Child Rescue. Go to the menu page on iCollective and click on Child Rescue. Thanks so much. Now's the time to find your color, your paint, and everything to get started during red, white, and blue savings at the Home Depot. Transforming your room is easier than ever. With the best deals online and in-store, you can confidently select your color and the tools for your next paint project. Get a colorful new experience and the right paint for the right price. Save $10 on one gallon and $40 off three and five gallons for a limited time only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing. Limit 25 gallons per household. See store for details.